Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. So we've been talking in the book of Luke. There's this moment where the disciples are walking right after the resurrection, and there's this phrase uh, when they've recognized Jesus right in front of them that says, did our hearts not burn within us? That moment of just like, no, Jesus is in this place, and what he was saying to us and what he was talking to us, there was something in our hearts that was just burning. So we have this idea of just catching the fire, staying on fire. And if you're going to talk about fire, you've got to talk from the book of Exodus chapter 3. You'll catch what it is in just a second. Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to begin with verse 1. Now it says this. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. Now, before we go any further, we have to ask the question, like, why this moment in the Scripture? Like, why, why this kind of random, hey, there was this guy, and he was just tending sheep. Why is he tending sheep? So if we were to back up into chapter 2, we would read a little bit about Moses' story. And it says this. It won't be on the screen this morning, but it says this in, in verse 11 and 12. And it says, uh, he basically goes out for a walk one day, and he saw an Egyptian beating one of the fellow Hebrews. Now, after looking in all directions, making sure nobody was watching him, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. So here, here, here we have this guy that, oh, no, an injustice is going on. He looks to the north. He looks to the south, east, west, all around. Nobody's looking. Kills this dude, buries his body in the sand. He thinks he's gotten away with it. But the very next day, he comes and he approaches this other guy. And he's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian? I am found out. You thought you got away with it. You did not. Someone saw you, Moses. He's found out. And now he is a man on the run. So we have this fugitive from justice who has murdered someone, buried their body in the sand, and now he is out in this place tending sheep to his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Now he led his flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai. Now he didn't just lead them a little bit into the wilderness. The scripture says he led them far into the wilderness, far, like this is the deep end of the pool, y'all. This is just, you're not just like a little bit in the desert, you're a whole lot in the desert. It's kind of like going to Walmart after 10 o'clock, you know? You didn't just go to Walmart, man, you went far, you went to the deep end. All of a sudden, so he leads these sheep far into the wilderness. And there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though this bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And he said this, this is amazing, which is really interesting because we have Moses who's actually, he, he's, he's writing some of this stuff and he's telling about a moment that he had about him talking to himself. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to tell about everyone what, they, what I was thinking about how I was talking to myself in this moment. And the thing that I thought when I saw this bush on fire is this is amazing. This is amazing. Why isn't the bush burning up? 
I must go and see something so amazing. And no, no, I've got to stop what I'm doing and I've got to see what's happening. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God, God called him from the middle of the bush and said, This Moses, Moses, the bush knows my name. Here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground in the middle of the deserts, far into the deserts by a bush that doesn't get consumed. And God says, stop. This is holy ground. Take off your sandals. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And when he heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Have you ever had that moment where you're just praying and you're just, God, if I could just see your face, I just want to see you, I just want to know you, I just want to know that you're real, just, if you could just come down, just, and here Moses has that moment, but instead of looking on him, he's like, I can't even look at this. I've taken off my shoes, I've taken off my sandals, but I can't even look. He hides his eyes, and then the Lord begins to speak to him. This is what I want you to do. I've actually, I've heard the cries of Israel. Uh, I've heard the cries of my people. I've looked at the Egyptians. I've seen how they treat them, and I'm going to do something about it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bring them out to the land that's flowing with milk and with honey. Hey, but before you do this, I want you to bring them to this mountain right here in this desert, this far away place that why? That they may worship me and they may offer sacrifices. This is what I want you to do. And to which Moses is like, (laughs) I'm not your guy. Multiple times, Moses wants to tell God all the excuses why he is not God's man. Like, I can't talk, I can't do this, pick somebody else, pick anybody else. Matter of fact, I'm a fugitive from the law. I've, I, got bo- I got bodies buried in the sand back there. And you're wanting me, I, if I go back, I could get killed. Like, this, this isn't, I ain't your guy. And God, God's, it's, will you stop all of the excuses? This is what I want you to do. And then it says this in verse 19. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go until my mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and I will strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles amongst them. Amongst them, Then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably upon you. So here is this moment where Moses is there. He's in this far away desert. He's having this moment at this burning bush, and God is talking to him. And I've learned this. We kind of have this moment in Luke, and we have this moment in Exodus, and, and they're saying this, this is kind of fire and it's burning, and he has this moment with God, and the disciples meet with Jesus, and did our hearts not burn within us? But there's a big difference here. And the big difference is it's, it's one thing to kind of get, you know, catch the fire. It's another thing to keep the fire. It's one thing to have your eyes open when you're sitting at a table with Jesus and he's breaking bread and he's doing wine. Like, no, this is this moment. And this is kind of what this moment is today. It's a Sunday morning and we come to this place and there's this intentional gathering that we have. We come here to meet with Jesus and, and we break bread and we drink the wine. And, and it's this reminder, no, 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 like our eyes are open and God reminds us, no, I'm in this. I'm in this, but it's a whole another thing when we leave this place and we go to a far away land and all of a sudden, well, there's bushes burning there too. Uh, it, it's, it's one thing to meet God Sunday morning here. It's another thing to meet him Tuesday afternoon on a sales call. 
It's another thing to meet him Thursday night when you're doing your grocery shopping. All of these moments in which God is in and all of a sudden there's this amazement I've got to go see. See, it's this thing like, hey, let's worship God on the mountaintop. Like this is awesome. This is the mountaintop experience and there's a band and and there's air conditioning and all of this thing. But God's saying, listen, no, no, I'm going to take you to a desert place too. And I'm a worship, and, and I want you to worship there in places that you didn't see me coming. And, and it's one thing for the temple, it's another thing for the desert. And all throughout the scriptures, we see this. We serve the God who shows up in temples and he shows up in deserts. He shows up with broken bread and he shows up in this place where, no, I never thought I'd see you here. And, uh, probably one of the good examples of this is John the Baptist, right? Jesus even says, when you went to go, See, John the Baptist, who did you go to see? You went out into this desert, and here you have a guy baptizing in the desert because we knew what we were getting into. But like John, if you're gonna run an effective ministry, you gotta go right into the middle of the city. No, you don't. Ah, there's burning bushes everywhere, and all of a sudden we find in the scriptures there's this rhythm. There's this rhythm of temple and desert. There's this rhythm, it's kind of like the tide. There's high tides and there's low tides and, and God's in this place and then all of a sudden your eyes are open to no, 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 God's in this place too. Surely you are here and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it and there's this desire I think that God has for us not just to catch fire but to keep the fire. But in order to keep it, you have to have a very clear picture of what you're getting into. So for so long, the picture that many of us have been painted is something like a canvas in which come to Jesus and enjoy Jesus on the mountaintop all of the days of your life. Come to Jesus and, and everything, man, everything's gonna get better. And, and you know, you, you get, I mean, nothing bad will ever happen. You're gonna have your best life right now. I mean, come on, like Jesus did all this. It's gonna get, it's gonna get easy, it's gonna be good. And you're gonna get married and you're never gonna have a fight. Come on, we have this kind of concept, this idea of like, oh, this is how good it's gonna be. You're gonna go to church and, it's, and then everybody's gonna love you and they're gonna give you donuts. And then all of a sudden one day you meet that dude that doesn't love you and he's snatching that last donut. And all of a sudden, oh, wait, hold on. I didn't know that there were mean people in church. Some of y'all found that out real quick. But but there's this idea in our mind that, no, no, it's always supposed to be this mountaintop. And and because we have this, we begin to interpretate, uh, uh, interpret the scriptures from this point of view that looks at everything in life like that. And all of a sudden, the outworking of life doesn't work out that way, and it leaves us frustrated, and it leaves us disappointed, and oftentimes it leaves us walking away because it's not how I thought it was going to be. And maybe for somebody in the room, that's where you're at right now. Maybe you showed up today and this is just kind of your last effort because, man, I've, I've done all this, but I'm still making bricks in Egypt and it's not getting any better. And the fire that once burned in your soul is just flickering. And you know what I'm talking about. You're holding on to everything you can to keep it going because. The reality is part of the scripture, part of the uh, teaching, part of the idea that you have about Jesus isn't so much Jesus-based, but it's Egypt-based. It's American-based. It's the the Jesus we want him to be rather than the Jesus he is. 
And all of a sudden, we begin to wake up to this. And we're like, And if we're not careful, we could become victim, the victim of unmet expectation because I thought it would work out like this and it didn't work out like this. So so now I'm just disillusioned and frustrated and on the point of walking away. Or we're a victim of humanity's fallings, of the the way, the cruelty of the Egyptians, the cruelty of our neighbors, the cruelty of people that are all around us, even some that we call brothers and sisters. And we've lived underneath the hand of Pharaoh for so long that I'll just go back to making bricks. Because after all, this this is, this is it's just easier that way. And I love the scriptures because it gives us a full picture of the gospel. Not just the mountaintops, but the far deserts. In other words, this. There is no crown without the cross. There's crosses and there's crowns, and we live in a culture that we just want the crown without the cross. And it does not work that way. It does not work that way. Here, look at what we just read. We have this moment where Moses he, he, uh, has this incredible encounter with God. God tells him quite clearly, this is the mission I'm going to send you on. Don't you just wish God would tell you that sometimes? Like, God, just be very specific. This is what I want you to do. You're going to go to this land. You're going to say these words. This is how it's going to be. And he has that. And he's like, no, I don't want it. But then God keeps going. And then God tells him this. I'm going to send you on the, this mission to do all these things, and it's going to fail. I'm going to send you in front of Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go, and it ain't going to happen. He ain't going to do it. As a matter of fact, it's going to get really, really bad. Uh, There's going to be these plagues that are going to happen. One, let my people go. Nope. Two, let's try again. Two, three, four. I'm doing what you said to do, God. Plague after plague. As a matter of fact, it doesn't just get worse. For that. It gets worse for everybody because now not only do you have to make bricks, you've got to go get the straw to make the bricks. And so now all of the Israelites are looking at Moses like, you're a really good leader. Thanks. You had this message from God. Sure, we're going we're gonna to go into this promised land and milk and honey. And look, now our slavery has gotten even worse. Now, now we find ourselves having to get the straw and we have to make these quotas and, and all of these plagues and there's frogs and there's mosquitoes and there's boils. All of these things are happening all around us and water is turning into blood. And wait, this isn't how we thought it was going to be because after all, God, you sent Moses, you gave him these words and like, it's supposed to be instant success, right? This is, this is how it's supposed to work. And we look at the scriptures and we see this all over the scriptures, but we don't want to actually believe it. We look at the scriptures and you said, listen, I'm going to send you guys out. I'm going to send you all these these towns. And and when they reject you, and when they persecute you, and when this happens, just dust the dust off of your feet. Another time, he talks to his disciple Peter. He says, listen, Peter, when, when, when it gets towards the end, they're going to take you by the hand and they're going to lead you to a place you don't want to go. Hold on, God. Can I get a different, can I get something else? Can we just stay on the mountaintops, I don't want the far away deserts. You're going to seemingly fail time after time after time, Moses. But it only looks like you're failing. It only looks, you got to trust that I'm in the middle of this. Look at the Apostle Paul's life. I'm going to send you on, the mission, on this mission, and you're going to do these things, but guess what? You're going to get beat up. You're going to get thrown in jail. They're going to stone you and leave you for dead. Guess what? You're going to wreck a ship 
Oh, yeah, and then you're going to get bit by a snake. Like, <laughs> okay, God, <laughs> we, we could just make it, you know, let's just stay on the mountaintop. Let's just, let's just stay in this moment where you're blinding me with your glory. Like, no, no, this, this is what's going to happen. And here's the thing. I think God's saying, listen, it doesn't matter how many ships you wreck as long as it doesn't shipwreck your faith. And that's why we can read Hebrews 11 and we could find Moses in this book about a hall of fame of people of faith. He's the same person who was a murderer who buried bodies in the desert. And God says, no, 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 this is the type of person I use that he just put his faith in me. See, because in this process, there's something that God's trying to teach us. When God's doing this with the Egyptians, listen, it's not just the lesson for the Egyptians, it's the lesson for Israel too. It's the lesson for Moses too. It's the lesson for me, it's the lesson for you. And see, that, that's what we think. We think that God's just doing this one thing, and we serve the God who works all things for the good. And if we're not careful, we could go through a trial, we could go through what seems like a failure, and we could label it something. No, no, God's trying to teach you something in that, Moses. God's trying to teach you something in that, Lucas. He's, for generations to come, people are still going to tell the story. And listen, listen, Israel, like, this is for you, too. You've got to understand that I am the God who delivers and rescues you. You cannot do it on your own hand. Look, look at the powerful hand of God and what I can do. And look at Moses. Man, the best I could do is I could bury one body in the desert and then run for my life. Have you ever felt that way? And God has something completely different. Here is the mission, and it, yes, it includes setbacks. It includes rejection. It includes, yes, you're going to have to build some more bricks. You're going to have to get your own straw. Well, Lucas, pastor, you know, I became a Christian, and I just thought life would get so much easier, but it's gotten harder. Yep. Yep. You know why? Because now the enemy is doing everything he can to get you back. He's, he's, he wasn't forming any weapons before, but now he's some forming some weapons against you. He's trying to do everything he can to, to break up your marriage, to break up your job, to, to break up your family, to, to get you to reject the faith, to, to have you wreck some ships, to have some plagues hit, and all these things. And we're wondering, and we, and we started wondering, why is this happening? Because remember, we've looked through the scriptures through this lens of, man, it's just all supposed to be a mountaintop. And so when we're in the valley, when we're in the far deserts, we begin to question God, are you even in this thing? The, the, the disappointments and, and the process that it's going through. And God's saying, no, 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 I'm trying to give you something that you, you won't learn anywhere else. You've got to have a vision in the desert. See, because we read the scripture and we think all we hear is promised land. I'm a slave in Egypt and all I hear is deliverance and promised land. But that's not actually what God said. God said, hey, listen, before we get to the promised land, I want you to go to this desert, not just a desert place, but far into this desert place, and I want you to worship here. Hold on. Wait, at least over here we've got food and we've got water, but you want me to go to this desert place, no food, no water, to worship you in this mountain that's a far away off? Do you know how hard of a sell that is for a leader? Do you realize how hard that is to be like, hey, listen, 
There's a promised land, and it's flowing with milk and honey. But before we get there, we're going to go out here into this desert. Listen, kids, we're going to Disney. But before we go to Disney, we're going to the dentist. Come on, that is a hard sell, y'all. Hey, listen, we're going on vacation. We're going to the Bahamas. But before we get there, we got to stop in Detroit. No, nobody wants to stop in Detroit. We don't want to go there. We want to go straight to the islands. This is what God is telling Moses to do. This is what I want my people to do. There's a land and it's flowing with milk and honey. But before you get there, you've got to come and you've got to learn how to worship me in the desert. Because if you don't learn this lesson, you won't be able to handle the promise. You won't be able to handle the promise. Already, slaves in Egypt, and God's saying, listen, 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 not only do I want to give you the promised land, but when I give it to you, you have to understand you're intended to rule it, not it rule you. And if I just bring you from Egypt to the promised land, it'll be only a matter of time before it rules you. And you say, well, Lucas, that's conjuncture. No, it's not, because look what happens. It says they'll strip Egypt of their wealth. So they have, here they leave Egypt with all the wealth, and they've got the gold, and they've got the silver, and they've got all these beautiful things. They get into the desert. What's the first thing they do with their wealth? They make a golden calf. Why? Because they don't know how to handle the wealth. All they do, all they knew, and all they had a picture of, well, well this is how Egypt did it, so this is how we will do it. And so I'll, I'll, I want to take you out of Egypt, but I need to get Egypt out of you. And part of getting the Egypt out of you is to take you into this far desert. And it's not because you're getting punished. Oh, no, no, it's actually a lesson I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you, Moses. I'm teaching you, Israel. I want to get this in you because your character is more important than the promise. You've got to have the character, character to handle the promise. And I'm telling you, there's no shortcuts in this thing. There's no shortcuts in Christianity. You've got to go to the desert. I've told this story a few times. And uh, I will tell it some more. Gary hates me telling the story, and you'll know why in a second. But there's this moment where I think Gary's over at uh, my buddy Tommy's house, and they're hanging out, and they're eating, and I think Tommy's cooked some steak, and he's cooked them to perfection, and it's medium rare, the only way to eat a steak. All you well-done people need to get saved. <laughs> and Tommy's cooked these steaks, and to which Gary's like, well, this, it's, just not, it's not done enough, you know, and to which Tommy didn't throw him out of the house at that point. But Gary walks into the kitchen and puts the thing in the microwave. Sad day. Sad day. And to which, no, no, I just feel like chewing it like bubble gum for the next 30 minutes. Why? Because Gary wanted to take a shortcut. It'll be quicker to just throw it in the microwave than to go outside and turn on the grill again. It's going to be another 15 minutes. It takes time. It takes effort. Don't be like Gary. <laughs> it's the lesson you learned today. He'll never do it again. Moses has a few bodies in the desert. Gary has a few steaks in the microwave. <laughs> There's no shortcuts. I want to read a few things, a few statistics. It says this, uh, inherited wealth is very rarely ever, ever kept. As a matter of fact, 70% of the 
of inherited wealth is lost by the second generation, 90% by the third generation. And there's this realization that, you know, parent, and, and, and on some level, all wealth is inherited wealth. And parents can pass along money or things, but not pass along the knowledge that goes with it. So here even we have this group of people that, man, they've inherited all of this wealth, but they have no clue because they don't have the knowledge of how they're supposed to use the wealth that God has given them. And there's something about it even with this, even when you see it in our society today, of kids that never learned in the wilderness. Kids, kids that didn't learn in the wilderness, and so all they want to do is, man, we just want things quick. We want them fast. We live in a fast-paced, right-now, instant gratification culture. And we see the outworking of that. And this quote I want to read is from the founder of Dubai. You've heard it before. When asked about the future of his country, he said this. My grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes, and my son, he rides a Land Rover. But my grandson, he, is, he also rides a Land Rover. But my great-grandson, he is going to have to ride a camel again. When asked why, he said this. Because hard times create strong men, and strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men, and weak men create difficult times. Many of us will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. Ow. Ow. But just put the steak in the microwave. It's quicker. And if you look, <laughs> if you look at all of human history, Persians, Egyptians, Romans, Greeks, British, all of this, every one of them conquered, not by an external enemy, but rotted from within. Ideologies and all of these things. And, and here's the thing. In the wilderness, you'll learn something. You'll learn something on the back of that camel that you can't learn in the Range Rover. You'll learn something in the Range Rover that you can't learn on the camel. And the reality is we need both. You need to understand how to worship God on the mountaintop, and you need to worship God on the valley low, in the good times and the bad times, because he's in both of those places. You need to know, worship him when, you, when, when the bank account's full and when the bank account's empty. All of these things. And God's trying to teach us a lesson in all of it. And both are equally important lessons that you have to learn. Now, on TV right now, some of the most popular things are Western shows. You know, there's uh, Yellowstone and 1854, all these shows, and uh, 50 what? 1583? 1883. I don't have cable, y'all. Like, I don't. There's all these Western shows, right? And in the Western shows, there's, there's always a common theme in a Western show is a horse. You've always got to have a horse. Because if you're a cowboy, you've got to have a horse. And every cowboy has this horse, and he has this rope. And they go out, and they, they go to the cows, and they, they wrangle all of the cows together. And this is kind of a beautiful picture of a cowboy. Now, on my road that I live on, there's a couple farmers, some to the left, some to the right, uh, across the street. And uh, it thundered pretty hard the other day. And usually, if we have a pretty good thunderstorm, sometimes the cows go a little bit crazy, and they'll break down the gates, and the cows will get out. And so we wake up, and there's cows just roaming our front yard. And there's this, this group, and they're just hanging out. And all of a sudden, from, from far down the road, two uh, little side-by-side um, -side gators, John Deere gators, come running in. And, and they're trying to cowboy the cows. No horses, no ropes, just John Deere gators. And I'm thinking to myself, stop microwaving the steak. This is where we've come to. This is it. But the thing is, there's a lesson in both of them. 
There's a lesson on the gator. There's a lesson on the horse. There's something that God wants to teach us. And if we're not careful, we will try to bypass the valley and just go straight to the promised land. And intellectually, we can know this. Uh, uh, on certain, some certain level, I could teach you this and you could understand this, but then when you're actually going through it, come on, it's a whole nother story. It's one thing for me to preach it, it's a whole nother thing for me to live it. It's a whole nother thing when all of these things are happening and I'm just, God, I don't know how you're gonna do this. Somehow you've got to come through. I'm far into the desert on this one. And I, I don't see anything around me, but I'm just looking for this burning bush. Where are you at? Where are you at? It says this, and we read this last week in the book of Hebrews. Because um, here in this book, we have Moses as this hall, a fame of faith. And it says this in, um, in verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive the promise, but they saw it from a distance. They welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on this earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they could call their own. Now listen to this. If they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have gone back. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. And here's the Hall of Fame saying they didn't go back. But the, the reality is, a lot of them wanted to go back. Uh, as a matter of fact, all of Israel, when they get out into this desert place, like, Moses, what, where have, what have you done? Where have you led us? There's no water here. There's no food here. We're going we're gonna to starve. We're gonna, all of these things are going to happen. Like, we, let's just go back to Egypt. Because at least back in Egypt, we had something to eat. Come on, have you ever been there? You, you got into a new place, you moved from Jersey down to the beach, and you thought, man, this is just going to be the promised land, and your contractor ain't showing up in six months. And you're like, I'm just going to go back to Jersey. It ain't better there, y'all. Go ahead, go pay them taxes. All of this. And like, we want to turn back. We want to turn back. And the thing is, that some of us, like, it, it would just be easier. There's this, and it's like, when it gets tough, we want to just like, no, no, like, let's just go the other way. Jonah, no, let's just, no, let's go to the Bahamas. We don't want to go to Nineveh. No, whatever you do, God. But some of us do. We, we, we want to turn back to Egypt. We do it with our relationships all the time. The second thing is it gets tough. I'll oh, just cancel that, cancel that culture. Cancel that relationship. Oh, we're no longer friends, defriending, all this. Because no, no, we can't, we can't handle it. Maybe we've been through, maybe we've been through some past church hurt, and and you know those people. I mean, they've just been holding on to this church hurt for twenty years. Like somebody hurt them, and now all of a sudden they're just bitter. They're just full of bitterness. But the things, what you don't understand is like no. But God's trying to teach you something in that too. What made you think the lesson was just for them? Yeah, 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 maybe you got hurt, but, but the lesson's for you too. So you're just gonna quit and go back to Egypt because somebody hurt your feelings or you wrecked a ship or a snake bit you? This is part of it. Uh, where do we get this idea that it's just gonna be easy? Like, let, let's just assume two things. Let's, first, let's assume you're right. Let's assume that, man, this person has hurt you tremendously. My question is, what did you learn from it? Did you learn something from it, or did you just get bitter and use that as an excuse to no longer try? Or let's say it's completely your fault. 
Let's say you're completely wrong, that you are the idiot, that you're just like Moses, and you've buried some bodies in the sand. You're completely wrong. My question is, what did you learn from it? What, what, What was God teaching you in that lesson, or are you just using it as excuse not to try anymore? See, the lesson's not just for you, the lesson's not just for them, the lesson's for you too. Uh, and I wish I could take credit for this, but I saw this, it was like on a t-shirt or a post or something like that, and it was just so good. It said this, don't trip on what's already behind you. Some of us are tripping on what's already behind you. You've already been through that, but you're letting it trip you up and up again. It's just time after time. You've already been the way of bitterness. Leave it in the rear view. I'm holding on to forgiveness now. I just choose not to, no, 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 yeah, it hurt and it was painful, but you know what? We're moving forward. I'm not going to trip on what's already behind you. You know what? I've already given, just like most, I've given all of the excuses, but no, 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 I'm approaching this burning bush. I've already tried to do it my own way. My own way only puts bodies in the sand, but God, you are the future. You know what you want to do, and even if that future entails some plagues and, and the very mission that you're sending me on is not going to work out the way I want it to work out, and we're not going to go straight to the promised land, but we're going to go to this desert place, God, if that's what you want to do, I'm not going to trip over what's already behind me because I've already done that once before. And so you may ask yourself, like, is there any kind of, like, kind of key moments of like not letting this happen, I think there is one. I think there's one right here because as Moses approaches this bush, remember he's approaching in amazement of like, no, no, something's happening. This bush is burning. It's on fire. It's not being consumed. I've got to go see what it is. The very first thing that God says to him, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. It takes humility. Humility is the only way forward. Moses could have found himself frustrated, a fugitive in the desert. Remember, he, he was looking around to see if anybody was, was watching. Man, look to the north, south, east. Is anybody watching? Can, can I get away with this? If you're trying to solve your problems in secret, and you're, try, and you're trying to make sure nobody else, like, eh, that ain't taking off your sandals that's doing it your own way. And God says, no, 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 take off your sandals, lay down your pride, and remember, remember this, this is holy ground. But hold on, we're not in the temple, we're in a desert, we're in a far away plan, place. We're at Walmart aisle seven, and God says, take off your sandals, I wanna do something in this place, this is holy ground. The problem that you're going through isn't just a problem, it's a holy problem. Because God's trying to teach you something in it too. It's not, it's not just for them, it's for you too. It's a holy problem, it's a holy marriage. It's a holy thing that God has called you to. The struggle that you're going through isn't just your struggle, this is a kingdom struggle. It's so easy to forget that. But there are bushes in the desert and they're burning all around us. That we would have eyes to see, ears to hear. The reality is this isn't just another Sunday, this is a holy Sunday. It's a day that will never happen again. It's a gift of the present. It's not just another small town in America and Shalot. No, no, this is a holy 
place and there's burning bushes all around us. It's holy and you've got to humble yourself. Stand with me to your feet. It says this, and the worship team doesn't have to come up today. I want to keep this with no, no tracks, but it says this, you will know them by your love. I think sometimes we think our love is kind of best expressed on the mountaintops when we do the big things because everybody sees it and it's really good. But there's another aspect to love, and that's all well and great, but I think there's an aspect to love of, no, 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 like, it's the long obedience in the same direction. It's the love that, no, 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 do you see that person's life? Do you see all of the things that they've been through and they still haven't given up? Do you, do you see their family and you see the loss that they've endured and they're still on fire? They, they've lost a child. They've gone through the pain of divorce. There's bodies, but no, 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 they're still a fire within them. See, it's, it's desert places. There's temples and there's deserts. There's this rhythm. There's a tide. It's in. It's out. And if we just adhere to a gospel that says God's only in this one place, it will leave us frustrated. It will leave us disappointed. We'll have dreams of the Bahamas, but God will stop you in Detroit. And he does it all the time because you've got to learn something there. It's not just what he's doing around you. It's what he's doing in you. Because what he's doing in you is far more important than what he's going to do through you. Because when I give you this place, Israel, when you go into this place, you're going to know how to use the wealth that I give you. And it's not for make, making golden calves. It's for my glory. Let's pray. Lord, as a church, we just don't want to catch fire, God, but we want to stay on fire. We want to live a life in which we can live it well and we could finish strong and experience the fullness of your gospel in every mountaintop and every valley low. God, we need both to worship you in the desert, to worship you in the sanctuary. And God, at this moment, we just take off our sandals and we repent. We repent for uh, making you in our image, in our likeness. We repent for looking to the scriptures and only reading what we want to read rather than coming to it humbly and saying, God, whatever you say, even if you send me on a mission that doesn't look like it's going <laughs> to succeed, I'll do it. I'll do it. Even though we want to give all these excuses, Lord, ultimately, you're in control, and we humble ourselves before you. Come, Lord Jesus. Burn within your church once again. Burn within the hearts and souls of every man, woman, child that calls you Savior and Lord. That you're not just the God of Sundays, but you're the God of Mondays and Tuesdays and mountains and valleys and Range Rovers and camels. And you work all things for the good.
If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day in which you just say, okay, God, it's yours. If that's you and you're in the room, every head bowed, every eye closed, just put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer to come to know Jesus. Is that anybody this morning? Real high, I don't want to miss. All right. Lord, I want to believe that everybody in here knows you. Lord, if there is someone that doesn't, maybe they're still on the fence. Lord, I pray for some burning bushes this week. I pray for some salt and some light and some men and women to be strategically put right into their lives. And Lord, I pray that that salt and that light is us. That you would stop us in our tracks this week to help us see what you're doing. That other men and women would stop and stare in amazement and say, oh, man, there's something different about that person. <laughs> They're on fire for Jesus and they, <laughs> they haven't got consumed. They haven't given up. They haven't turned around. They haven't let bitterness or anger or disappointment or frustration be the narrative of their life, but their life is one of love and joy and peace and kindness and happiness and strength in you, God. And Lord, return to your church the joy of our salvation. Because in you we live and breathe and move and have our very being. And all of God's people said amen and amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you need prayer. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.